Okay, we're back. JB's Drive-In Podcast. Welcome to the second episode of Halloween. Um, 1978 John Carpenter's Halloween. Really looking forward to this episode. I think this is our best episode yet. I really, really do. I think after this, John Carpenter will not invite Paul and I over to his house. Ever, 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 ever. Not that it would get to that point. Anyway, make sure to listen afterwards for Paul's 10-minute soliloquy about the Halloween sequels. Well worth a listen. Anyway, I will catch you on the other side. Enjoy Halloween Part 2. So I think we're at like a, the turning point in the movie because... Yeah, it, it, all of, everything up to this point was to set up uh, the confrontation, which is now coming. I mean, it, this is the this is meat and potatoes night. for a horror fan, Yeah, this more is or the less. meat and potatoes. This is, this is Halloween night. You have Loomis with that speech talking about Michael Myers. Really adding depth to the character that has no depth. Yeah. You know, it's, what else? He's the shape. Yeah. Yeah. Adding yeah. depth to the character that has no depth. So you have going over to Laurie babysitting Tommy, and then across the street, Annie is babysitting Lindsay Wallace. Um, but they're both unaware that Michael Myers is just stalking them outside. I do have to say something here. Watched this movie two times this week. Mm-hmm. The acting by the actress who does Annie, ridiculously horrible. Hi, Annie. What are you doing? Popcorn. Having fun? Never mind. I'm sure you are. I have big, big news for you. Oops. Hold on a minute. Hi, Lester. I'm about to be ripped apart by the family dog. <laughs> Horrible when she's yeah. in, when she's in that room talking on the phone with the dog. Oh, it's just a family dog. Yeah, it's, was it's, she on drugs or something? She had to be on drugs. It's possible, but I I did want to point one thing out, which I forgot earlier. Now that you bring it up, you you just mentioned the fact that she's right across the street. Earlier in the movie, she actually says. It's just you're just three doors down. <laughs> so I just I it's just a it's just a writing mistake, you know. But it it's just something that one like it's, when you watch this movie as much as I've watched it, it everything kind of stands out. Everything stands out. You know, you, yeah. you start think you, you start hearing and seeing everything. Everything. And that's what Michael Myers apparently does in this movie because he knows where to be at the right time. Oh yeah, like, he, yeah the whole time. It's absurd. Like so Tommy looks out the window. And, and he's up, there. And, and Michael Myers just happens to be staring at him from across the street with that really awesome blue lighting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's great. It looks great. But how would he know that Tommy is looking out the window at that time? He's just waiting. Okay. And yet he manages to disappear. <laughs> <laughs> like he's in, It's not like he was standing on the side of the house. He's just kind of out there, man. He just, he's, he's like right out in the just, middle of everything. Just right out there just looking over at him. And then he's just gone. Just gone. <laughs> And he's he's really fortunate because when Annie gets like when she spills some shit on her or something like that, she has to take off her clothes. Uh, yeah, she she spilled something on herself and she had to take her clothes and clean them. Myers is a pervert because he's looking through the window. He is everywhere at the same time. Yeah, yeah. But you know what I loved about that one scene with the kid, uh, it, with him looking out the window and then calling Lori over, and Lori's like, "Oh, there's nothing out there." You know what it makes me think of. Scrooged with the dog. 
I don't know why, but for some reason, I went. My mind went to Scrooge when the dog is sitting there barking at Bill Murray, who's mm-hmm. sitting on the floor after he's getting knocked into his brother's house, mm-hmm. and he's sitting, he's on his knees, and the dog is barking right in his face, and uh, the the sister in law, I can't think of her name, walks over and grabs the dog and says, "What are you barking at, you silly dog? There's nothing there." <laughs> it's like. He's a fucking dog. He's looking at Bill Murray. Yeah, just He's barking at Bill Murray. That's great. That is such a great Christmas movie. <laughs> I don't know why it stuck. It jumped Scrooge. into my head, but it was just a weird thing. That's an underappreciated movie. No. Everybody loves it at this point. You think so? Yeah, I think when it first came out, it took a couple years, and there's some fallibles there, and we're. I think it might be... We haven't decided our Christmas movie. We haven't decided. It may be it, it, Scrooge. Scrooge is definitely... It's definitely top five. Definitely top three. Definitely top three. Yeah, because it's basically that or A Christmas Carol or <laughs> yeah. um, Grinch. Grinch, yeah. We'll, 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 yeah. we'll But anyway, we'll, we'll figure it out. So then you have Annie. So the, the family dog runs out, Lester. Then you, there's that famous scene where Lindsay, the dog, is barking outside. Lindsay. Lindsay, Lester's barking again and getting on my nerves again. Never mind. And weirdly enough, I don't know why, but I guess it was because we're getting ready to do this. We were getting ready to do this show. The whole t- every time she said Lindsay, I kept thinking of your sister because your sister's name is Lindsay. Lindsay yeah. So it's just weird. <laughs> Lindsay. 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 Shitty ass actor. I'm act. locked in, Lindsay. Oh, horrible actor. Save me, Lindsay. I'm half in the window, half out the window. I've seen worse. I've seen better acting from freaking politicians. Horrible. horrible. I, I, <laughs> so, so uh, Michael kills, gives the dog a hug. Dog no longer with us. No. They, they switch back to Laurie and Tommy who are watching Howard Hawks the Thing on TV. Yeah, yeah. Going back to Howard Hawks, I mentioned before. How Carpenter was a big fan of, of of Hawks. Then, and funny enough that you know, once you get to Halloween three, they actually show upcoming Halloween playing on the TV in Halloween three. I'm sure you don't remember that. I don't remember that. Yeah, okay. in Halloween three, he he goes into the gas station and they're doing because they kept showing that promo. Uh, two more days of Halloween, Halloween, Halloween. Uh, and they were they were actually playing Halloween the movie. On the show, mm-hmm. and then it cut to go to the commercial oh, really? of two more days to Halloween. It, it's just, it's just a weird little throwaway. That is, a, that is pretty. You know what? I do remember that. I do remember that now. I do so. remember that. Yeah. So Annie, since she screwed up her shirt, goes out to the laundry house. I yeah, laundry I, house. I don't. Who has a laundry house? I, I mean, I guess it exists, but who? You know what? I, I yeah. What? 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 <laughs> So she's throwing her clothes, and you see... And it looked like it was a garage. It does look like a garage. It looked like a pool house. <laughs> yeah, There's maybe. No but why would you have a pool in Illinois? Why would you put your laundry out in an outhouse? How inconvenient is that? Hey, who Anybody the hell would want to do that? Yeah. It's that is the ass. most ridiculous thing ever. Oh, it just... Seriously, I have a big enough pain in the ass. Lindsay, the door locked. <laughs> Lindsay! 
And she gets herself stuck. Of course, <laughs> Mars is there. The pervert he is. This is great. Mika actually pointed it out. So Annie tries to escape through the window. She gets stuck. Yeah. Her ass is hanging out. Yep. And, and Mika's like, thank God Facebook wasn't around. Because okay. Lin- kid, little to Lindsay, Lindsay. <laughs> picture that <laughs> and post it right on face. Yeah, because she was a oh, bitch, man. Oh. She the she immediately tells the boyfriend she got stuck in a window. <laughs> <laughs> just, just seriously, that would have been all ass on Facebook. Oh hell yeah, Lindsay was a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, then you have this obnoxious guy, but she had it in for Big Dick Tommy Doyle. Big Dick Tommy Doyle, yep. I don't know. So Annie calls. Is this, uh, uh, so Paul calls, who is Annie's boyfriend. So, yeah. You know, we're going to get busy. Pretty much, we got to get busy tonight. Yeah, 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 yeah. Then Annie's like, all right, I'm going to take Lindsay over, this little bitch who's going to take photos of me on Facebook. I'm going to take her over to Tommy Doyle's house. Yeah. Lindsay, me. do you want to hang out with Tommy Doyle? <laughs> I know you wanted to. You're six years old. Six years old perverts in this. Actually, I think they were probably 11 or 12, maybe even 13. But why is a 12-year-old got a babysitter or a 13-year-old have a babysitter? When she, she's literally four years older babysitter. I guess they did that back then. They don't really do that much anymore. <laughs> I don't know. Whatever. Okay, so, so, then, so then he... They drop, uh, and he drops off Lindsay, gets that, get that basket case off her back. And that's the scene where she's searching around for the keys of the car. She goes in the car. Yep. Sees the, uh, the fog and Michael Myers finally springs his trap. And, and, uh, because he, he had so much breath that he steamed up the entire front, the entire inside of the car. I don't know that that's even possible. I, I don't. I don't know it's possible either because he was just out looking at her ass in the laundry room. He had to be in there for a good half an hour, and it didn't take that long to take little Lindsay over. There. Oh, just 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 to point this out, uh, it's not like uh, Judith Myers got a good rogering at the beginning of the film either. <laughs> You're right. Yeah, you know, going all the way back to the beginning when. Jeez. Michael is standing there watching them through the window. 30 seconds. They go upstairs. They're kind of taking their clothes off as they go upstairs. And, like, he goes into the kitchen, comes around the corner, He and the guy's walking out. Yeah, so, he, what, maybe a minute? 30 seconds. Like, Judith, Judith is just like, really? Yeah, 30 <laughs> seconds. They are teenagers, though. Yeah, well, I, I, yeah, I guess. <laughs> ridiculous. Ridiculous. So, and if I was sleeping with the, you know, 1975 uh, Playmate of the Year, I think I probably wouldn't last much longer than a minute either. <laughs> <laughs> what does Arnold say in Pumping Iron? <laughs> I think I'm coming in the morning. I, I have got the feeling of coming at night. I got the feeling of coming when, when, when I'm pumping up, there you go. when I beef up. There you go. <laughs> it's as satisfying to me as uh, coming is. You know, as uh, having sex with a woman and coming. And so can you believe how much I am in heaven? I'm like uh, getting the feeling of coming in the gym. I'm getting the feeling of coming at home. I'm getting the feeling of coming backstage when I pump up, when I pose out in front of 5,000 people. I get the same feeling. So I'm coming day and night. (laughs) 
So, so as Annie's getting killed, to get a horrible acting because <laughs> she like goes cross-eyed or something as her throat slit. Yeah, that's what everybody does when their throat slit. Yeah, that happens. Cross-eyed. Yeah, she. I think you're right. I think she was a horrible actress. I just. I guess <laughs> I never realize. paid that much attention because I just now you go overlook back and watch stuff. It. She's horrible. Yeah, like, horrible. We're talking about like. High school level. I mean, the Lindsay stuff is obvious. Lindsay, Lindsay. But I, you kind of, you just overlook stuff like that because it's just all these movies had bad acting. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, I guess I mean, throwing here and talking about you, know, you see Michael Myers the mask and all how they came up with the mask. Everybody knows that it's Captain Kirk. At this point. Yeah, and I found that out when I was a kid, and I just didn't believe it. Yeah. I never believed it. Because I'm like, it doesn't look anything like William Shatner. But, but the, it just doesn't. It doesn't. But the way that they, I think what people don't know is the way they came up with it, the mask is that Wallace, the, the set director, he went to the store, got a few masks. He got Richard Nixon, Mr. Spock, Captain Kirk, <clears throat> and, Emmett Ke- and Emmett Kelly, that, that sad clown mask with the big nose. Yeah. And what, what most people don't know is that it's not just Captain Kirk. They actually did some altering to it. They... They ripped the sideburns out. They sprayed a fishbowl light, and the most important part is that they opened up the eyes. Right. They cut out the eyes, and that's what most most people don't know is they open up the eyes, giving it that that shark death devils look to it. So. Yeah, but they that wasn't even the uh, they originally went to an actual mask company. And said, "Hey, can you make us a mask? And you know, we'll you'll you know we'll make sure everybody knows that the you know you made the mask and blah blah blah." But they were just like, "Nope, fuck you off." Yeah, fuck but off. the cool part about it is that mask company that told them to fuck off ended up being the people that created the three masks for Halloween three. There you go. I just can't remember that's, the that's, name of the company. It's just a side. It ain't thing. Silver Shamrock because it's it's a no, made up. That shit. was made so, up. Um, so another thing is, there's no blood. There's no blood at all, even though she had her slit, her throat slit. Yeah, I, there is very little eye. blood in the movie total. I mean, even budget. the Judith Meyer scene, you, you see some blood on the body, but it's not like it's squirting out or anything. I mean, it's, you know, there wasn't a lot of special effects in this movie. Not a whole lot of special <coughs> effects. So, and then we switch back to, to Tommy, Tommy Doyle's house. Poor Tommy. Talk about being traumatized. The first time he looks out the window, he sees Michael Meyer at the right time staring right back at him. Yep. This time he looks out the window, he sees Michael Myers dragging Annie's body in the house. <laughs> yeah. I mean, how screwed up are you going to be? <laughs> yeah, Tommy's not having a good Tommy's night. He's not having a good night. <laughs> I mean, I don't think he realized it's like. Well, well, he was already freaking out before everything started because the kid, the bullies are like, <laughs> the boogeyman is coming for you. He's coming. <laughs> He's going to get you. Girl's body being drug in by the same guy who was staring at him 30 minutes before. <laughs> well, keep in mind, he may actually remember seeing the guy out in front of the elementary school. So. He literally was standing like face to face with the guy earlier that morning, and now he's walking around like killing people. <laughs> so, eh, eh, oh, what the hell? Yeah, poor Tommy. <laughs> he's having a bad Tommy night. Doyle's in a breakdown. 
they could make a movie with him like assuming the mantle of Myers after all this psychiatric, you know, nonsense. God, no, I think that he he they make a movie about him where, you know, he's he's so distraught in his life that he just gets married to the first woman that he meets and she treats him like shit all the time. <laughs> What, do you want to tell everybody that story about Halloween again? <laughs> Get your ass back in the kitchen and make me a fucking pie. Two fish pie. <laughs> make sure the trash is out, Tommy. And every time that there's a bang outside, he jumps. <laughs> hey, Tommy, why don't you look out the window? <laughs> the boogeyman's coming, Tommy. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, so, okay, shit. so Andy's getting drugged in. Tommy's freaking out again. They sh- they go back over to Myers' home where a couple kids, a couple of asshole kids are daring each other to go into the house. And, and Loomis is there, makes a sound to scare those <laughs> off. And then, yeah, and then, I can't remember the kid's name, but he that's just a, such a dick move. Like, <laughs> <laughs> go ahead, <laughs> Billy. Go ahead. Go knock on the door, yeah. Billy. I wouldn't do that, Billy. <laughs> Oh, um, <laughs> Loomis got a scare to piss out of kids. I mean, the kid's probably done shit his pants. Yeah, and then and then leave back at the incompetent <clears throat> sheriff. We let the alarm in the hardware store ring for four hours. <laughs> so comes in this. Uh, there's a confrontation between them. And then we go to the penultimate. Oh Jesus! The next movie. The, the penultimate scene in the movie, in my opinion. Okay. Which is which is what probably everybody thinks of Halloween is one of the one of the big parts of Halloween is when. You have Linda and and Bob, good old Bob with the glasses. Bob. Feet Bob. They arrive at the Wallace's house, and that's where Annie is supposed to be babysitting. So Linda and Bob, they're being obnoxious, drinking beer, you know, being over the top, laughing their asses off. So they go in the house, and they start, you know, the house is all dark. Like, where's Annie? Where's Annie? Of course, Bob's got, you know, he's got Viagra in his blood. Yeah, well, most Most kids that age do. Viagra and his blood's like, all right, we're going to start making it on the couch. Of course, Myers, being the voyeur he is, he's in the background just watching him make it. Yeah, Uh, he can't see well enough because he's in the shadows, so he has to come out just a bit into the light (laughs) and then back into the shadows again. Back into the shadows. So they make their way up to the bedroom, and they start having sex. With each other. With each other. I got issues with this scene for two reasons. Okay. First off, the guy's having sex with his glasses on. And we're not yeah. talking about like thin wireframe glasses. No, these we're are talking big ass glasses. Space cadet glasses. You know, the, 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 the way 10 pounds with the frames that you could like knock somebody out with. Yeah. You could like pry like a. Like and a, as bad as I felt for Judith earlier in the film, I felt equally as bad for PJ Soul. PJ Soul. Yeah, it, it's just. Come on, guys. You got to do a little better. And I say this, and I use its language for a purpose. Who the fuck has a jack-o'-lantern in the bedroom? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) What? What? (laughs) Who has a jack-o'-lantern in the bedroom? Yeah. Nobody has a jack-o'-lantern in the bedroom. No one ever. Nobody wants a stinking, rotting vegetable. No, but even let's just say you want to put it in your windows. Let's say you have one in every window of the house. You still probably wouldn't have it in the bedroom. 
It just, you probably wouldn't. You don't have a jack-o'-lantern in a bedroom. It just doesn't happen. It is a display piece. So after their 30-second sex romp, because it yep. takes them all 30 seconds, he's like joking around, probably, you know, doing Dutch ovens under the bed. <laughs> like, all right, I'm going to get a beer. You want a beer? And uh, that's when Bob, <laughs> Coke bottle glass Bob, makes his way downstairs, and he yeah. sees the door open, the front door open, goes to check on it, He's like, oh, I don't know, remember the kid's name. He's, you know, calling out, he was playing oh. joke on me. And that's when Myers jumps out and then stabs him. Stick around. Yeah, this was an awesome death scene. Yeah, it's, it is an awesome death scene. It's a signature moment. It's, it's the death scene yeah, in it, the movie. It, is it definitely is. Because you have <clears throat> different viewpoints and how they pulled it off. Like, for example... As Myers um, lifts him up, um, he's actually uh, two guys. Two guys are lifting him up with the help of a two by four. Um, and as he was being pushed up against the wall, he was actually like staying on a cardboard box. Okay. And the long shot of him with uh, the knife being stuck in him. Yeah. He actually has the the knife underneath of his. Of his arm. Armpit, yeah. Yeah, and then I think uh, my, I don't know if it's my favorite, probably my favorite scene is when Michael Myers backs off and then tilts his head to the right and tilts his head to the left. Yeah, and that's just, that's another one of those scenes where you're kind of incorporating the concept of he's just not even aware of what he's doing. Like he he's just like I am just observing this and it doesn't look right. So let me look at it from another angle and let me look at it. this just doesn't look right to me, even though he just did it. So that to me would show that he's clearly detached from reality. Yes. Yet you know, we've pointed out multiple times where he's just been even even in this death sequence where, you know, he's stalking her. But he was smart enough not to kill her with the little girl still at the house. He waits for the little girl to be taken across the street, which conceptually, why would that even happen? Especially if he overheard her on the phone and Paul, her boyfriend, was showing up. So he wasn't concerned about the fact that the boyfriend would show up before he's able to kill her in the garage. I mean, it, it's, it's just, it, there's no... No rhyme or reason, but in this in this incarnation of Michael Myers in the movie, yeah. there's different incarnations of Michael Myers in the movie. The, we keep on calling him the Shape because that was the name of him in the original script was the Shape. Yeah, every right? you know every it basically as soon as he put the mask on from that point until the very end, he's referred to as the Shape, shape. in the in the original script. In the original script. And the idea I mean, this, this is straight out of uh, interviews with John Carpenter. Yes, and Carpenter attributes this to a trip that he took to a mental, in, mental institution in college where uh, it, was in, it was in Kentucky, and he visited the most serious mentally ill patients, and it was something about the stare in their eyes, this evil, just insane stare that led him to the inspiration of, of The Shape or Michael Myers. Right. Interesting shit. So, and here's, so we go from Michael Myers, The Shape, admiring or, or looking at Bob being stuck on the wall with a knife. Essentially, the best death scene, the, 
one, you know, I don't know if it's the best scene. I think the Donald Pleasant speech scenes are are the best scenes in the movie. But if you're going purely for hack and slash or purely for horror, it's definitely the best kill scene in the movie. So you go from that. So you go from that to this. So let me tell that. So you have you have Michael Myers puts a sheet over him, puts a sheet over himself. Imagine you, you know, you pretend you're a ghost. Then takes Bob's Coke bottle glasses, puts them over top of the sheet, right where his his eyes would be. Walks upstairs, Alinda, who greets him, greets him with that see, that 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 famous you know see anything you like scene. Yes. Why did he put the glasses? What, what, you go. You go from. Why did he disguise himself? Why, what? What the hell? It makes you know, psychological consistent storyline that makes no sense. <clears throat> makes sense. why? Why is it, Why does he run up the stairs and just stab her? Yeah, his and, sister. And uh, this is this is something that I you know I sent stuff over to you earlier this well, week, and this is beer. one of the things that I pointed out. I hate the scene. I, as much as I love this movie, I hate this scene. <laughs> I thought it was you completely unnecessary. Um, I think it's specifically written in to have PJ Souls topless. There was no other good reason to have this scene mm-hmm. because essentially, if he walks up and like? she's just laying in bed, she could have he could have just easily walked in there, stabbed her to death, and she's dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, instead, they have the whole Later, see anything you like. Um, see anything you like. So, and I'm not saying any of this in, in you know, in respect to PJ Souls. I love PJ Souls, but you know, the the truth of it is, is like, why is it there? Why is this scene happening? I don't get it. I don't understand okay, it. Answer me. I just hate it. I just hate that scene. As much as I had no problem seeing PJ Souls topless. No. I mean, she's a beautiful woman. Why, why would? Especially when, you know, she was young. She's still a beautiful woman, I mean, but when she was young, she was really hot. Gorgeous, yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, just a side note, um, she did an interview years later, and talking about it, she went to the Halloween premiere, and uh, when she went, the scene came up. She was sitting in the... Nobody knew she was there, obviously. Uh, she was dating Dennis Quaid at the time, so, and originally, Dennis Quaid was actually supposed to play Bob in the movie, but he had a scheduling conflict, so he ended up not playing Bob. Um, but she went to the movie, and the scene came up, see anything you like, and one of the kids up in the front yelled, oh, yeah, hell yeah, I do. And Quaid, <laughs> of course, gets himself all worked up as like, you want me to kick his ass? I'll kick his ass for you. And PJ Soul's like, Nah, you know, he's just a fan. I thought it was funny. Mm-hmm. And she just laughed it off. So she didn't have any problem with the nude scene. She didn't have any problem doing it. She, you know, and she likes the scene. I personally, you know, and I guess this is my PC police coming out, which here, is I'm, weird because we I go. am not politically PC correct. Paul. But <clears throat> it, it just seemed to me like a <laughs> gratuitous topless scene. <laughs> Seriously, there's no reason for this scene. I disagree. I think it adds to the movie. How? It's between me and Lynn PJ's holes. <laughs> All right. It might lend to you, uh, you know, taking a trip to the bathroom I, for a I, couple I, minutes. Hey, I think it, 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 she, it shows how diverse of an actress she is. Yeah. 
It really does. One slightly cool. to the left, and the other Seriously. one went slightly to the right. Seriously, there was, there was definitely like? diversity there. Without that scene, we could have never heard "see anything you like." And then, of course, Michael springs in the action because he wouldn't talk. Linda goes to the PJ Souls or whatever you want to call her, picks up the phone, tries calling. Uh, who the hell is she calling? She's talking. The the phone rings, and oh, she's phone talking rings. to uh, because Tommy's like, you know, what's her name's dead. She's dead. Um, <clears throat> and so she called over, and she's oh. like, nah, everything's fine. Don't worry about it. He, she just went to go pick up Paul. Or you, they, They're talking back and forth. And um, so that's when Michael comes in and starts strangling her. Yeah, starts strangling her. Nick Castle apparently was so nervous about him, about using the cord, that Souls had to tug on the core a little bit more. Yeah, to get him to, to actually make it look realistic. And I think I think that's a strange thing to have to do, man. I I don't know. I mean, you, you constantly hear about brutal death scenes and sex scenes being kind of the hardest things to do as an actor. Mm-hmm. And I can't, I don't know how I would, I don't know how the hell you do it. I mean, I really don't. I don't know either. I and mean, psychologically, it's got to be tough. I mean, it's, I don't know how you do it either, because you don't want to hurt the person either. No, I mean, you I, in the character. <clears throat> you talk about, uh, I mean, we could talk about some of the Quentin Tarantino stuff where they, you know, she, you know, he had to brutalize some of his actresses. But I don't know, whatever. That's that's another day. That's another day. So, so she's dead. P.J. Soul's character hits the bricks, and then we switch over to Loomis. Yeah, he's been standing. This is this is it. Here's your scene, Paul. Oh, where he looks Christ. over, and wait a second. There's the station, the station wagon that was stolen that Michael Myers stole <laughs> the mantles to. His station wagon. It's his station wagon. Well, it's, it wasn't his car. It's but... been there the entire time. Loomis just knows. Oh my God! There it is. Yeah, I just walked down the street. <laughs> I was three houses up, and I just walked down here, and it's right there. It's just crazy. Amazing. So <laughs> that, that sends Loomis in the tizzy, so he starts running the neighborhood. So Laurie is, is looking out the window, because that's what you do on Halloween night in that household with Tommy Doyle and Lindsay. Yeah, looking Tommy always looking out the window. So she's looking over at the Wallace house where Annie's supposed to be, and uh, it's just it's gone dark. So you know what? She gets a hair up her ass. Yeah, I better go check this I, shit I out. I better go check. Meanwhile, you and I would be clicking the doors locked. I'm not even buying. I, not or bothered. maybe we just, I don't know, call the cops. Call the cops, do something. I'm not going over like, there. Like, I was just on the phone with my best friend, and, like, she started screaming yeah. and stopped breathing. I think there might be a problem. A problem, yeah. I'm just going to go check it out if you don't mind. No, no, ma'am, please no, don't do that. Don't. Dude, Just stay there, yeah. and we will be there we'll in a couple send. minutes. Oh, wait a minute. That's right. We are. We have dipshit sheriff. He's out over at the Myers house tonight, so you're on your own. You're Go ahead and check it out. Lee Brackett will be over there in two hours. <laughs> have yeah. fun with that stuff. He's still, he's still dealing with the hardware store <laughs> alarm going off for some reason. Can't figure it out how to turn it off. <laughs> It's ten feet up in the wall, and they don't have a ladder that's all. It's a hardwood store. <laughs> they've they've been <laughs> the sheriff and the three deputies have yeah. been jumping for hours. Always three deputies, just like uh, they've been jumping and swatting at it, and they just can't seem to get that thing to stop. The ref. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. <clears throat> so. Oh, that that would be one of the top three. That would be. Go ahead. That would be. So she decides it's a good idea to go over there and inspect the the Wallace house. 
goes upstairs, and that's where she finds uh, Tombstone Annie on the bed with his sister's tombstone, with Judith Meyer's tombstone. Yeah. <laughs> Playing <laughs> right on the bed. Then she backs up, and here comes Swinging Bob. Yeah, I, I think once I saw a tombstone on the dead, and my one of my best friends dead on the bed, I think I, you know, definitely would have said, "All right, fuck this, I'm, I'm jumping down. out the window. I'm done. I'm not even going down the stairs. I'm <clears> jumping out the window." Uh, I I don't have any black friends, so yeah, I I'm definitely screwed. I'm screwed. So he's, <laughs> there's swinging Bob comes down, does like a like a a trampoline move there, or no, not trampoline, but the, the the parallel bars move with him swinging down. Yeah, I don't. Then you got Linda, who's folded up like a damn accordion, and this is where Laurie's screaming her ass off, goes out in the hallway. Really cool scene. Really cool Yeah, scene. I love the scene, this of course. Great, everybody knows the scene where she's back up against the wall, and there's an open closet next to her, and slowly Michael Myers appears, and that's supposed to capture the effect of someone going into the dark. Um, yeah. The first time where your eyes slowly adjust. Yeah, I, I think I read that they did that scene with just like a... a um, uh, they just brought the light up. That's all. That was just a simple yeah. fader. Just simple, simple fader. <clears throat> and this is where we have Michael Myers has worse shot than the Predator in terms of going after his enemies, where he goes with a knife, just skims her arm. Yeah. Just skims I, her arm. Why is he even stabbing downward? I, 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 I mean, he stabbed Bob pretty straight. I don't know why he would have had to come down. on you. He and took lessons <clears throat> from the Predator. Yeah. What so, the hell, man? So she's able to escape. Why not? And he completely missed her. Completely missed her. From, a, he, from a foot away. Competent boob that yeah. he is. <laughs> uh, so she's out there screaming her ass off, like, help me play. I mean, just over the top screaming. Goes this one porch, knocks on the door. Those people not letting her in. Got a crazy bitch out in the front lawn. Oh, yeah. Not letting her in. Oh, yeah. Those guys. Yeah. yeah. It's not like it was... It, you know, it, it, it's not like she was really covered in blood or anything like that. She's just like, help me, help me, help me. And they're just like, yeah, bitch, get off my porch. Get off my porch. I'm going to turn the light out now. <laughs> Jesus Christ. And this is not like, these are older people, okay, because you can kind of see one through the window. So they're older people, so they know that 15 years ago, uh, there was a murder down the street. So uh, maybe we should... Kind of help somebody out. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's help someone. No, but no. So she ends up over to Tommy Doyle's house, and of course, it's the classic. Just a nickel time, she gets Tommy to come downstairs and open the door. And just as Michael Myers was about to get her open the door, she goes locks the locks the door behind her. Says, "Tommy, Lindsay, go upstairs. Go upstairs." Then she's looking around the house. Yeah, let's not go out the back door because we have to, what, assume that there's no back door? There's no back door. Every house almost in existence has a back door. Exactly. But, of course, of course there is, is a window open. Now, we just established that Tommy was looking out the window twice. Yeah. Saw the book Tommy doesn't have a lot of <laughs> luck with windows, so possibly not a good if idea. If I was Tommy Doyle, wouldn't you be going through every window in the house and making sure that damn thing is, like, nailed shut? Oh, yeah. But there just happens to be a window open. <laughs> just happens to be a window open. And, and Laurie's like, shit. And, of course, Michael springs in the action. She stabs him with a... Is this the sewing needle part? Yeah, I think stabs so. Stabs with the sewing needle. He, f- he collapses. Oh, yeah, because getting stabbed in the arm with a 
snowing sewing needle would take somebody out yeah. completely. Yeah. <clears throat> and, and you notice that uh, all these stabbing, there was no special effects. All the stabbing was just made by taking a knife into a watermelon. That was it. Yeah, that but was, it worked. It was effective. It yeah. I mean, trauma has been doing that shit for years. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, so, uh, Laurie manages to to fend Michael off and get Tommy and and and, and Lindsay to escape, and this is where Laurie eventually like hides in the flimsiest closet door ever. Yeah. And this is such a, a contradiction. Yeah, there was there was a cliche in in you know the eighties. You know, when we were in the 90s and, and highly cynical, we always ended up talking about how the, the hot, everybody would hide in a closet. That was the yeah. safest place. The, the safest place there were, I think that there was even, like, uh, some spoof movies that came out that talked about how as soon as you were in the closet, you were immediately safe and nobody could touch you. Nobody could touch you. It's like <laughs> Narnia. Once you're in Narnia, you're okay, you know? So, so Laurie finds her way in a, in a Narnia. And this closet door is made of, like, paper mache. But Michael Myers, who at this point is being played by Wallace because he knows how to destroy the closet because he designed it. Right, right. The yeah. stunt, he was the stunt coordinator. Stunt and they coordinator, wanted right. to make sure they only could do it in one take. Exactly. Everything was one take one Johnny. Take. One take Johnny. So <clears throat> despite being flimsy, just barely sticking on the rollers, Despite eating a dog, killing a, a, a German shepherd, Michael Myers acts as if this door is Fort Knox. It takes forever to bust the, the flimsy. I mean, it's flimsy. It's shaking. You just pull the damn thing off the rails. So he breaks open the, the shutters, and he gets stabbed in the eye for all his efforts with a, with a coat hanger. And that allows um, Laurie to escape, but then... He reanimates again and attacks her. And that's when you switch over to Loomis. He sees Tommy and Lindsay hightailing out of the house and realizes, okay, finally, I know where it is. So as he's running upstairs, you go back to Laurie and, and, uh, and Myers, and she pulls off the mask. And this is where you see, as you mentioned earlier, it wasn't... Um, Castle, it was this gentleman named Tony Moran who was cast specifically for this part. Yeah. For to have this angelic face who ended up looking like, I don't know, a freaking Sylvester Sloan on Prednisone. His face is all like bloated. And then Loomis comes out with his gun, shoots Michael several times. He does a backflip worthy of swinging Bob off the balcony. Yeah. Goes to check on him. Off the balcony. I thought he went through a window. Window, what well, window? <coughs> it doesn't matter though. It doesn't matter. He does a backflip off the balcony. Right. Laurie is crying her ass off. Uh, and he, Loomis goes to look, and of course, Myers is gone. Yeah. And then you have the music. Well, you you missed the I where missed was the that the boogeyman? Oh, that's sorry. Was that the boogeyman? And he said yes. Boogeyman. Yeah. And then the music starts and. Roll credits. Roll credits. Yeah, I mean, I, and I, I mean, was there really anything else that was needed? I mean, Jesus, they even give you, they they give you, he gets away at the end. Yeah. So holy shit, there's a serial killer and he's on the loose. Yeah, the boogeyman's on the loose. I mean, and, and that last scene was actually two different takes. One with Loomis saying "Holy shit," 
Yeah. He made it where one that just, I expected this. Yeah. Yeah, that, uh, uh, well, I shot him six times. I think they went with the, the, I expected this, but I think the holy shit would have worked just as well. Yeah. <laughs> or just, you know, because at this point, it's like, yeah, he's been saying, yeah, he's pure evil, he's pure evil. Yeah, but you, you still can't unload six shots into pure evil and have him jump up and, you know, do a fucking dance. I mean, it, it's just. <laughs> little do the Irish jig, right? Yeah, like uh, Bruce Willis at the end oh, <laughs> of the last Boy Scout. Boy Scout. <laughs> <laughs> so that that's that's Halloween. That that is Halloween. One of the greatest horror movies of all time that we just completely dismantled. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, but it, it, you know, I do it lovingly. I, yeah, we do I, it. I mean, I, there is a massive love fest for this movie. Absol- I love this movie. Absolutely. So I look forward to watching this movie. You know, it's uh, never. It's not. It's one of those movies where you don't get bored watching. No, I no, watching. no. I mean, I'm sure. I would guess that kids nowadays would probably look at it and like, oh, this is this, this isn't scary. It's kind of boring. Um, but my daughter, I sat down and watched it with my daughter. She loved it. She loved it. I mean, you know, I think she got a little tired of me saying, "Hey, here's the scene where this happens." <laughs> You know, like, this is coming up. Keep an eye. Rewinding the movie and saying, hey, look for the puff of smoke. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and then I, I, so then I would go back movie. later and say, hey, did you, did you know this? And he's like, yeah, Dad, you already told me that. <laughs> That's what old farts do, man. We got to let everybody know that we know stuff. Yeah. <laughs> that we're worth something in this world, damn it. Well, I, I mean, this is just, this is my movie. And then we started immediately, as soon as we watched it, Immediately started watching it again with the uh, <clears throat> the the fact real acting, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I was like, "Oh, yeah, that was the one I said." <laughs> yeah, that's see, I told you I knew everything. They actually recruited me to do all the facts. So, so the film wrapped up on time and on budget, and it was cut together perfectly because there really wasn't a whole lot of access because of. The budget, budget, you know, you had to, everything that was shot was pretty much on the screen. Exactly. But you mentioned this before, earlier on in the podcast, is that there's a reason why this movie is so good. And that's because there's a big budget, there's a small budget, $300,000. Carpenter spent a lot of money on post-production in three different areas and and using Panavision, I say post-production, in production. Panavision with the best lenses. Yeah. With the best lenses. Yeah, he, he shot his load on that. I mean, that's why the rest of the movie itself was so under budget was because he decided to spend the money all on the cameras. On the cameras. Then he spent it, he processed it at MGM Labs. And then the post-production was at Goldwyn Sound, and that was the best around. Right. So he spared no expense in terms of actually putting the film together, manufacturing the film. Right. And that's what made a $300,000 movie look like a million bucks, despite what a friend of the show, Ethan Grayson, has to say. Uh, I don't think he really shit on it too badly. I read that comment. Um, friend of the show, Ethan Grayson. Yeah, friend of the show, Ethan Grayson. Uh, he, uh, he, he, well, I think his opinion was that the remake... The um the zombie remake was 
just better than the original because he saw the original on big screen, Mm -hmm. which I don't know that I've actually ever seen the original on big screen. Uh, I've seen, I think I've seen every movie from five on, on the big screen. Mm -hmm. Um, But I was too young prior to that. Mm -hmm. So I, you know, and getting my parents to take me to a rated R horror movie just wasn't going to happen. Not gonna happen. they didn't like me watching it at my aunt's house. So anyway, the uh, the um, I don't think I've ever actually seen it on a big screen though. I, I and I and I think that you know all those. I mean, I've seen it on my TV at home, and that's a pretty big screen, but it's not like mm-hmm. the movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I. I I think that he's there's certain aspects. If you watch the two movies back to back, the one is hyper gritty. It's hyper uh, violent and gritty, um, and it's got the edginess that comes with not just with Rob Zombie, but with it being made in 2004 or whatever the hell it was. Was it? I don't remember what it. Was. I think it was around 2004 somewhere. Um, it had that grittiness to it that wouldn't have existed in 1970. I mean, the 1978, they did have gritty films, but they were usually, like I said before, uh, you know, black exploitation or um, grindhouse films were where you got all your grit. Uh, and and the back in 1978 when he was making this, obviously what he was aiming for was professionalism to make it look professionalism. great. And to be perfectly honest with you, as it goes to the violence, Carpenter really cut down the violence in this movie. And he said it in interviews that he, he specifically put it, you know, pushed it down. Which it makes wasn't. it a great horror movie, though. To me, that makes a great horror movie. Just like I talked about The Predator uh, last week, or whatever we did, uh, was the fact that you saw your introduced the creature. Yeah, it's yeah. Like, well, and I think that it, it works. It doesn't... I wouldn't want to see every horror movie that way, but it works. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, psychological less is though. more. It, yes. it, a psychological movie, yes. which like Psycho. Yes. I mean, Psycho has, what, two death scenes in it? No. Yeah, I think two death scenes in Psycho. There might be the third, but I think there's only two. Um, but you would think that there's a lot more death in Psycho. Is there really isn't. No. Uh, she steals some money. She goes to the hotel. She gets stabbed in the in the shower. Uh, the sister sends the um, a private eye to look into it. The private eye shows up. He gets uh, pushed down the stairs, and they have that awesome shot where he's going down the stairs. And the sister shows up with the boyfriend, and they figure out that he did it. And that's pretty much it. That's, that's it. that there that's there's that's no it. more other death go. in that movie. Yeah. So, you know, it's the less is more type of situation where you're going more for the psychological thrill than you are for the over the top kill. Yep. And that's fine. I mean, that's an that, that makes an awesome horror movie. Um now now as far as this this is is after all the production for this movie goes, the initial reaction from the actual producers was like, I don't get it. Mm-hmm. I don't get this. This movie is not that scary. But at that point, 
John Carpenter had yet to produce and insert his music. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it was no music or if the original music just sucked. I don't know. But Carpenter went back and made the iconic Halloween music, which above and beyond, it's definitely. I don't know of another score. more recognizable yeah. score other than maybe Batman. I mean, I had that score on my my telephone as yeah. a ringer back in the day. It's just a, it's a phenomenal score. Yeah, it's it's a wonderful it transcends horror. It's just, wonderful uh, piece of music. So he puts that music into the movie. The producers look at it saying it terrified me. Yeah, this is great, and that's when it, eventually in October nineteen seventy eight. It was released in theaters in a, in a piecemeal release. As and see, so you, you're saying piecemeal release, but honestly, back then, mass releases or, or large releases were a lot more rare. Uh, they, most horror movies were released on <clears throat> basically what would be considered like a tour. It would go state to state to state, and they would premiere the movies. I mean, William Castle made a living out of doing this shit. Because he would take his movie, he would make his movie, and then he would go with the movie, and he would have these huge openings where, you know, like, uh, you, like one of his movies, he had it so that uh, you you could get your money back if you were too scared to watch the ending, no but to get your money back, you had to sit in this booth, and all the people who watched the movie would have to see you in the booth and then he would give you his money back. And there's a clock in the middle of the movie where, like, before they reveal the ending, it's like, you have 30 seconds to leave if you want to get your money back. And But then, like, while he's doing this, he's also like, everybody else cannot tell anyone what happens because that would ruin it for everyone and... You know, it, it's oh, just great. It, the whole weird. thing was awesome, and and he weird. did that kind of shit all the time. The Tingler, he actually put shocks in the shocks seats, in yeah. the seats. Yeah. Um, I, he he had a gimmick for everything. Uh, I House on Haunted Hill. I I think he had skeletons on lines and shit. Um, there was all kinds of shit that he did in, in his movies, and he would just go on tour with the movie to and sell it in each city and. And a lot of horror movies did that. Even in 1978, horror movies were still kind of doing that. It was the wide releases were left to movies like Star Wars or big big, big budget type films. Well, first, when this movie was released, and what you'd say the touring magazines, the reviews were absolute shit. He even went back to USC Film School and and displayed it, and his students were like, "This is just a low class, trashy horror film. Why would you? Why would you make this movie?" At that point, they were just like, all right, we're just going to chalk it off as a one-off. It's only $300,000, whatever. And at that point, in late 1978, is when two well-known movie reviewers, uh, Tom Allen from The Village Voice and Roger Ebert, everybody knows Roger Ebert. Yeah, Roger Ebert, I think, is what sold this film more than anything else. And it sold him. It sold him, yeah. You know, I mean, yeah, he was kind of a big deal, but, you know... Ro- you know, Ebert and Roper didn't exist at the time, or Ebert and uh, what was the other dude's name? Siskel and Ebert. Siskel and Ebert didn't exist Just, yet. Uh, so he gave it four stars and compared it to Hitchcock. Go figure, right? Yeah, Psycho, yeah. which was obvious. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> people start going to the movies, and Carpenter and friends didn't realize it. 
Yeah, nobody knew that yeah. the movie was really starting to pick up at that and, point and, and, because it had been touring. And then suddenly, you know, the second half of the tour, people were going and seeing it like gangbusters. Yeah. So you had a movie that was $300,000 to make, and it then goes on to become, the at the time, the most successful independent film ever made. $50 million at the time. Screws over $50 million. So Carpenter found out when they, people started coming, coming to him, and that's when... You know, if you if you look at at the careers of the people involved, Halloween took off after that. I mean, John Carpenter. I mean, he went on to make, as you said, the Thing, the Escape from New York, Escape from L.A. movies. They Live. Mm-hmm. Oh, what a great movie that! Yeah, movie. I love I They Live. They Live. Uh, Ghost of Mars, and one of my personal favorites, the nineteen seventy eight Vampires, John Carpenter's Vampires. You mean ninety eight? Ninety eight. So with uh with uh James Woods. Right, right. I, I love that movie. Yeah, I, it's a cool I, flick. I, I love that movie. Uh, he, you know, it's also, you know, um, I forgot what I was going to say. Sorry. Go That's ahead. Okay. Okay. So, and Deborah Hill followed in, in Carpenter's uh, footsteps. Uh, Jamie Lou Curtis became the scream queen, won the prom night, but she actually ended up. Get, hanging up at the horror shoot, uh, boots temporarily in Halloween too. Uh, well, not yeah. I mean, she did prom night. Um, she also had a role in Halloween three, but she wasn't actually on camera. She's an operator or something, right? She there's a voiceover scene where she, you know, it's time to, you know, it's the end of the day. Everyone needs to go home. That mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, but she. You know, she kind of got out of that and moved on to um, Trading Places, which was her kind of breakout film was Trading Places with uh, Eddie Murphy and Dan Aykroyd. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also the first time she got topless was in that movie. That's right. yeah. uh, a lot of people forget that. But then, of course, if you watch Scream, then you know that she doesn't get topless until Trading Places. Mm-hmm. Um it's just uh, she was always one of my favorite actresses. And she's got a lot of weird things that go on about her. You know, the Activia. Then new Activia breakfast blend, a great way to help start the day. Mmm, creamy, low-fat yogurt with grains in yummy breakfast flavors like apple cinnamon. It's hearty with twice the protein of regular low-fat yogurt, and it helps regulate your digestive system. The act, well, the activity, all the rumors about it, the hermaphrodite yeah. and all that weird shit. I, you know, <laughs> obviously don't think any of that stuff is true. Um, but she, <clears throat> she made a good career for herself. She yeah, really did. Advertising colon blow yogurt. You can't go wrong with that. <laughs> then she eventually returned <laughs> to Halloween franchise where it all started, right? <clears throat> well, so, yeah. I, I mean, I think that she was, her career was waning by then, though. I mean, it's not like, I don't know that she would do H2O if, if her career wasn't kind of on a downslope. I mean, it wasn't over by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, she still did a lot of good films. But I think it H2O kind of gave her a resurgence um, yeah. where her career was kind of well, on, the, on the going downhill a little bit. And Is that around True Lies? I don't remember if True Lies was before or after that, but True Lies is a great film. I mean, wonderful film. Uh, it 
but once again, going back to our Arnold conversation, True Lies being one of the films that really made fun of Arnold movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, True Lies and uh, the other one, Last Action Hero, both movies that were poking fun out of 80s action films, which were basically Arnold Schwarzenegger films. So it's weird the way his career went, too. It is, it is. And you have Collie Richards, who played Lindsay, and Halloween is now a famous (laughs) reality star because she is Paris Hilton's aunt. Yeah, I don't know her at all. I don't... Nick Castle, who played The Shape, went on to direct Dennis the Menace and Major Pain. Yeah, I found the fact that he... Major pain being on his list was really Just, funny to me. Yeah. But, yeah, it, it was uh, – he had a very successful career. He actually had another movie that I, I – I, when I looked him up, um, but it's, I'm blanking on it what, it, what it was right now that he directed that really surprised me. But, yeah, the, the, but Halloween, though, it, um, it really made some careers. Yeah, uh, yeah, it definitely did. Um, it also it, made some sequels, too. Yeah, sequels. Jesus Christ, sequels. Uh, I, I I, said, you know, the weird thing was is the other day I was sitting there and I was thinking, I, I, this, this series of movies could possibly be the reason for the word retcon. I mean, there is just... How many times did this series just start over? And and really, you have you have Halloween one and two, and the story was done at at the end of Halloween two. John Carpenter more or less uh, had decided that there is no more Michael Myers. It was a story. We told the story. The story is done. Um, all that shit basically happens in over three days time, because she leaves the house, she goes to the hospital, and he starts killing people at the hospital. That all happens within the same two days. Mm-hmm. Um, and he left the hospital the day before, so it's a total of three A's. Uh, Halloween 3 is a movie where they decided what they were going to do was they were going to use the Halloween franchise name, and they were going to start doing different stories. Mm -hmm. So they bring out Halloween 3, which is not a horrible movie. People... Don't like it because it wasn't Michael Myers. It was something different. And people hated it when it came out. And I hated it the first time I watched it because I was really disappointed um, that it wasn't a Michael Myers flick. But then years later, I went back and watched it again because at the time, all you had was VHS. So you rented from the store and then you didn't have it for a while. So once I finally went out and started buying my own VHS or buying my own DVDs. Uh, I think I had it. I definitely had that on VHS. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> I went down, I, I sat down and watched it, and I'm like, you know, this isn't, this isn't horrible. It's just not executed very well. I like, I like Season of Witch. I and like then it. I watched it again, and I'm like, eh, this is pretty good, but it wasn't done really well because the problem was they weren't, they didn't have the ability to do the special effects that were mm-hmm. necessary. I agree. The whole Stonehenge with the... The, the Stonehenge and the, re, the robots. Like, yeah. the robots look really bad. They I did. Did. I mean, I liked uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer in that robot movie yeah. uh, a couple years afterwards was much better. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so it, they just didn't do certain things well, and there was parts of the story that just didn't make any goddamn sense, but it really hurt 
the franchise. And they were just like, okay, this is just not going to work. So at that point in time, Carpenter was kind of bailing out. He was done. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Mustafa Akid, he knew that there was more money to be made with Michael Myers, so he brought him back. At this, But at this point, Jamie Lee has moved on. Um, she's she's doing her own career. She's she's a big star, so there's no way to bring her back in um, to do it again. Besides, like you said, she really didn't like horror. Uh, so they bring in Danielle Harris, who I love. Yes. I will always love Danielle yes. Harris. Uh, she was a little too young, <laughs> but she's not that much younger than me. She's only a couple of years younger, so... Um, but being in Halloween and being in what is my favorite action film, which is Last Boy Scout, didn't hurt. Didn't, uh, didn't hurt at all. So the um, the four through six all follows the Jamie series, essentially. The first one is uh, Michael's trying to kill her because she's... Um, Laurie Strode's daughter, because of course in Halloween 2, we find out Laurie Strode is Michael Myers' brother. Mm-hmm. Uh, that wasn't part of the original story, as, I, as we just discussed. So, um, Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, completely different movies. Halloween 4, we have Michael, uh, uh, Laurie Strode dies in a car accident. Car accident. And so, uh, 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 Jamie is being raised by I want to say it was um, foster care or or something. I don't remember at this point because it's been a while since I watched it. Um, But she's uh, she's being stalked by Michael, which I think it heightened it a little bit. Uh, They definitely turned up the violence um, as soon as uh, Carpenter was no longer in. Now, now, to be honest, uh, Halloween 2 had a lot more violence in it. The violence was turned up in that a lot. Halloween 3... There was no violence other than the one scene with the kid and his head pumpkin. Yeah. Um, Sexy in his face. So the uh, Halloween 4, they pumped up the violence a lot. Uh, Which kind of fit with what was going on at that time period with horror movies as well. Yeah. You know, you had already been like five, six deep in the Friday series. Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street was at least three or four movies in by then. Um, everything was just getting more and more pumped up. Uh, so, because you needed to do something to shock people, you you know the the shock level wasn't there in the mainstream. Obviously, um, you know the the older movies hadn't really been appreciated yet. Um, the you know the schlock stuff that right. from the early seventies, which eventually became um, cult favorites, wasn't really accepted yet. Uh, Anyway, so four, five, and six. Uh, four, he's trying to kill her. He get, you know, they shoot him down. A year later, he comes back. One of my favorite things about that movie is in the beginning of five, the guy who nursed him back to health over a year. As soon as Michael, as soon as it's Halloween again, Michael gets up and just kills the guy and then leaves. I just love. <laughs> I always I'm loved done with it. You. Thank you so much. Um, and then, of course, tries to kill her again. So that's one year later. He's trying to kill her again. They, they. Um, I can't remember how they kill him at the end of that. Uh, part six is not Danielle Harris. It's. I guess it's supposed to be set uh, about four or five years later. Um, and there's a secret society 
the dark hand or some shit like that, where they they uh, use Michael to perform the ritual of Samhain, which Samhain the ritual of Samhain is the um, is a ritual where you kill a member of your family, and the tribe would be would have great success based on the fact that you were willing to kill one of your family. It's, it's just a weird backstory that they... At the time, all the major horror films were getting backstories. So Michael got his backstory, which was Sam Hain. Uh, Freddy Krueger got his backstory, which was the you know Son of a Thousand Bastards. Uh, and... Um, or son, son of a Thousand Maniacs, sorry. Uh, and then... Uh, fr- they were doing Final Friday where they were doing the stupid black goo coming out of uh, Freddy's mouth. I'm, I'm sorry, uh, Jason's mouth and going from person to person. And it was this evil goo shit. It, it was really weird. By the way, weirdly enough, the only film you cannot find on DVD really? or Blu-ray. That's weird, yeah. Uh, you, you can get it like foreign based, but you cannot get it local at all, which is really kind of fucked up. Because um, I've tried to get it. I cannot. Because I want to see it again because I haven't seen it. Because Stephen Williams is in it, which is Stephen Williams is awesome. But uh, going back to Halloween. Uh, so four through six, six being uh, Jamie's now pregnant uh, and she's being held captive so she can give birth so Michael can kill the baby. Well, she escapes somehow and um, hides the baby, and Michael kills her. It's not Daniel Harris, but uh, kills her, and then Tommy, who, or I think it was Tommy, played by um, Paul Paul Rudd, Rudd, is um, the friend from 4 and 5, was her friend from 4 or 5, and uh, gets the baby and is trying to keep Michael from killing the baby. That's the whole concept of that movie. It was basically a movie to give him a backstory. Uh, it was ridiculous. Um, then they just kind of stopped for, I don't know, like four or five years. Yeah. And the next thing you know, you have H2O, which is my least favorite Halloween movie. Um, he is basically turned into a pussy. He doesn't kill anybody. It's just ridiculous. Uh, I do not like H2O. Um, they, you know, she kills him off at the end of H2O, but then you have Resurrection, which you come to find out. She didn't kill Michael. She killed a dude that was riding, you know, Michael put the mask on the ambulance driver and she killed the ambulance driver instead. That's the most ridiculous thing ever. Uh, but she's in an insane asylum at this point, uh, because she killed the ambulance driver. Um, so Michael shows up, kills her, and then goes back home, and they have the reality television show going on in the Myers house, where if you stayed in the Myers house for the night, you got $25,000. It was actually a pretty cool concept. Exactly. It was, at the time, the 90, late 90s, there was a lot of reality television mm-hmm. going on that was pretty cool. It worked. Um, but, you know, there was a lot of goofy shit with Buster Rhymes. Right. Um, uh, one thing that, that because at that point in time, I guess it was kind of cool to be in horror movies because you had the previous movie had LL Cool J. Yeah. H2O had LL Cool J, and then Resurrection had Buster Rhymes. Um, then the series kind of died. I guess the movie didn't do extremely well, so they decided to move on. 
uh, and Rob Zombie got involved with it. So Rob Zombie had all these criteria and all yeah. this bullshit that he went into it with saying, you know, I don't believe in sequels. I, you know, I don't, I don't believe in merchandising. You know, I don't think that you should be selling uh, little Michael Myers dolls that go and shit like that. Um, so he was, he was kind of against a lot of the cliche stuff, even though he basically ended up turning into a cliche. He did House of a Thousand Corpses, which was not a great movie in my opinion. A lot of people like it because it was very violent, um, but it thought it was too... I thought it was more of a rip-off of Texas Chainsaw Massacre than it needed to be, and I thought it was kind of jagged and everything all over the place. I know we're not talking about Rob Zombie tonight, but I have to go through this. Um, but then, you know, so his next film being Halloween. Uh Everybody's hyped. Like, this is going to be the fucking Halloween movie of all time. And I will be honest with you. I love it. I absolutely love that version of Halloween. Uh, Malcolm McDowell being in it is... I love Malcolm McDowell. He's brilliant. Um, maybe definitely top five actor. Um, he's 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 an awesome guy. I met him. He's great. Um, the... Uh, the story was very brutal. It was very in your face. It was very well done. Everything about it was great. Um, do I think it's better than the original? No, because the original was the original. I mean, you can't take away from that. Uh, but then you had, um, and it had its problems too. Then you had a sequel. Uh, the sequel was intentionally bad. Rob Zombie made it intentionally bad. Uh, yeah, he did not want to continue doing it, and he turned it into just a schlock fest where his wife was walking around with a white horse the whole time. It was just fucking stupid yeah. shit. I mean, I I didn't mind the brutal killings in it because they brought, I think they brought in Daniel Harris um, in that one. Uh, I didn't mind that stuff, but I, you know, they had Brad Dourif and... Daniel Harris. You had a lot of horror people that I love in it, mm -hmm. but overall it was just a, it was not a good movie. Mm -hmm. um, so they decided they were going to make Halloween 3. Zombie said, I'm not doing it. I'm absolutely not doing it. Um, so they, you know, they found a new director, a new writer, and Halloween 3D was coming. Of course, at the time, every movie was turning 3D. Mm -hmm. Everybody was excited for Halloween 3D, and then suddenly nobody was excited for Halloween 3D, and it just died in production hell. Um, just never happened. Uh, fast forward, now we're at 2016. Uh, the film has been killed at this point, and um, you have, uh, what's his name? Um, the funny guy. Uh, Jesus Christ. Uh, the, he, he had an HBO show, Vice Principals, and he had another oh, Danny one. Danny McBride. Danny McBride. Okay, so Danny McBride and a friend of his uh, got together and decided that they were wanted to make a an actual sequel to H2O. I'm sorry, an actual sequel to Halloween. Um, and uh, But it was a completely different timeline once again. So weirdly enough, Michael Myers has never actually existed in a Halloween 3 uh, because both, you know, the first time 
it had nothing to do with Michael Myers. The second time around, they killed the movie, right. and this is a whole new revamp right. story where, like I said earlier, uh, Laurie Strode is not even Michael Myers' sister, but, you so know... Then that, I guess, this one just occurs after Halloween. So well, this, this is, is 40 years later, and it's a direct later. sequel to yeah, the original the original Halloween. 1978. Okay. So, like I said, you had one and two... Then three was a completely different movie. Four, five, and six acknowledged one and two, but then seven, eight didn't acknowledge four through six. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the one and two were remakes. They had nothing to do with the original series other than the concept. And then this one has nothing to do with any of the other freaking films. Yeah. So if, if you have retcom, that, that, that is your, the reason for it. Woo. And that was a lot of sequels. That was a, a lot, lot of data. That was a lot of shit. Yeah, sorry, dude. Well, you asked. Yeah, I did. <laughs> a lot of editing. I'll take care of it. So, so yeah. So, Halloween's legacy overall changed the horror genre. I I think it did because it brought it into the. It made it made it understood that horror movies could be profitable. Right. Yeah. Um. And and it really even though Black Christmas was the first. It's really, because it was profitable, then all of a sudden you see Friday the 13th, mm-hmm. and you see uh, a couple years later you have Nightmare on Elm Street. But even before that, you start getting the spinoffs, the holiday horrors, mm-hmm. um, April Fool's Day, um, yeah. uh, Prom Night, and uh, I mean, shit. I think so yeah, My Bloody Valentine. Yeah. Um, yep. yeah, every holiday got a movie. Right. Um, every at any excuse to to make the holiday right. film was so, yeah, was was working, yeah, and that, that was all based off of Halloween. Changed success. horror, and then as you said before, that it, it kind of established the whole trope of the virgin is going to survive. Yeah, that, and even though even if that wasn't their intention, that the survivor girl was born out of Halloween. Out of Halloween. I mean, it did happen in Black Christmas as well, but once again. Because the the commercial success of Halloween, that is where the inspiration really comes from. Well, I don't like to take away from Black Christmas or any of the other what is you know cult favorite type movies that came out in the seventies. But let's be honest, that the real success comes out of Halloween because they made so much money. Absolutely, and Halloween is a classic, great movie. I think so. Anybody during this time, Roger Ebert thought so. Needs to watch this. Yes, you do need to watch 1978 Halloween. John Carpenter's movie is a classic. It will always be a classic. It changed the horror genre. Anyway, thank you for listening. Thank you for joining us. Make sure to subscribe to us on iTunes, JB's Drive-In Podcast. We are on SoundCloud, JB's Drive-In Podcast. We're now on Stitcher, JB's Drive-In Podcast, and we're going to be migrating over to other platforms as well. Looking forward to building this audience. Now, it's still October. And we were thinking about how we were going to end this. And we had a movie in mind that we pushed back to November 11th because we wanted to do something a little bit different. Now, we did have some input from superfan Scott Schaefer, who wanted us to do Pet Cemetery. We did two serious movies in a row, so we kind of said, you know what, we're going to put that Stephen King movie on a whole. We are going to do a Stephen King movie very soon, probably about the beginning of the year because we have some holiday movies we need to get to as well. So we decided, listen, what movie can we do that's a little bit of a change-up as we head into Halloween Day? 
And I think the one that we picked is a no-brainer. 